0: It, it's time again to shoot the sheesh and now your host kevin and
1: patty by so walking to the sonic restaurant i order a plate of dolboseki and the waitress tells me the restroom is that way
0: oh Ooh, funky, funky boy. boy well hey everybody and welcome to another episode of shooting the sheesh patty
1: how are we doing today i'm doing just fantastic uh yeah i the world series wrapped up yesterday like great series. I mean, I feel like we should just dive right in at that point.
0: I think so too. And I got to say, two weeks ago, best case scenario seemed like uh, Dodgers and Yankees tying in the World Series. (laughs) Nobody winning and we escaped. Astros pulled it out. We got exactly what we
1: wanted. I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah. I mean, the the Astros really they had the whole Team of Destiny thing kind of going, which I, I guess you can make that case for a lot of different teams um, like any given year. But the Astros between the, the Hurricane stuff this year, the Sports Illustrated prediction from three years ago, it really seemed like they had a lot of that like karma stuff behind them. And then for them to win in seven games is pretty awesome. It, it wasn't like any type of instant classic game seven, which felt like a little bit of a letdown after how great the series was beforehand. But like you overall can't complain. Two, two straight seven-game World Series, like we're, we're on a good run here. Absolutely, And I think, I don't know,
0: although, like, the, the best game was wasted in game five, kind of, like, still the series itself up and down. Like, you never really felt like at any point you knew who was going to win. Exactly. Even I mean, when the Dodgers went down 3-2, it by no means felt over. Uh, it was
1: pretty much up in the air, exciting action throughout. Yeah, I, I'd say... Just exactly what you said like a lot of seasons after one or two games you can kind of predict who who you think is the favorite but this one there was absolutely zero chance I would put like any money on any of those games they're all just so unpredictable. Clayton Kershaw, we talked about a little bit last week, had a bit of a blow-up in Game 5 and will continue to have the same reputation extending forward. Even, even though, though he was filthy yesterday. He was very good yesterday in relief. Um, and I'd say that one of the other main storylines, Dave Roberts, really getting grilled for his managerial tactics, which I'm not sure how deserved that is, but it's it's kind of crazy how, how how far people go to criticize any manager these days, but uh, I don't know. I'm pretty frustrated with the the criticism of his handling of you Darvish
0: because... Like, everyone, myself included, has been coming after him for overmanaging, and now in this case, they're coming after him for undermanaging. It kind of goes back to what you said, where no matter what, when a team loses, they're going to find ways to yell at a guy. Like, I think I would have been frustrated if he took Darvish out after that first inning, where it was an error that cost it. Like, I don't know. There's there's a lot of worlds in which that inning could have gone much differently. I don't think that inning was enough of an indicator that Darvish was havin- didn't have it.
1: Yeah, I've been thinking some more about this, and I think the reason that MLB managers are getting so, like, criticize these days is in other sports like NFL or NBA, you can criticize, like, people criticize Andy Reid for using timeouts stupidly a lot, and you can criticize some of their in-game tactics, but for those other sports, like, the vast majority of their job is other stuff. Like, for NFL it's a lot of just scheming hey, and, like, on, and, and game preparation. For basketball, it's a lot of, like, managing egos and making subs, which, you know, f- fans aren't necessarily criticizing all the time. But the MLB, like, b- by far a manager's, like, most... I guess most in the mind of the fans responsibility is like making bullpen decisions and stuff like that where it's just so easy for them to be called out and nowadays where everyone, you know, reads about the game and knows it knows like the stats behind it. It's just like almost too easy to criticize any move. Yeah, totally. I I don't put this one on Dave Roberts at all. I think it was two great teams, and like it's really just like a coin flip, and they just came out on the wrong end. Totally,
0: they ran into a buzzsaw at the top of that lineup. George Springer was the best player on the field, and he carried his team to a win. And then you have to tip your cap to the Houston bullpen for getting getting it together uh, at the end at the end of the series when the whole playoffs the bullpen had been the problem. In Game Seven, the bullpen came through.
1: Yeah, and I was I was scared that. They pulled McCullers too early. They didn't even get him through three innings, and it seemed like a lot for that bullpen to get through, but Charlie Morton was a revelation coming out of the pen. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think it was
0: the right call to take McCullers out there, too. I felt that in the moment, I mean, beating four guys... That was kind of ridiculous. He didn't have it. <laughs> he didn't have his location. It, it looked like he had some nasty bite to his curveball, as he always does, mm-hmm. but um, that's when you're hitting that many guys, in a
1: regular season game, you probably get tossed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's in, the, in World Series game seven, it's pretty obvious that no hit by a pitch is going to be intentional right. just because of the stakes. But yeah, you got to imagine in a regular season game that's, that's not going to fly exactly as well. Right? Uh, as always, I,
0: I feel like this is a broken record. Everybody always harps on it, but I, I do have one quick thing I do want to say about Joe Buck. Oh, please slate on me. I ha- have to go after it. And it's I think I've said this before, but it's difficult for me because Joe Buck is a Hoosier. And it just, it feels wrong to hate on a Hoosier. Uh, he went to grad school at IU, so it's, like, a little different. Not really an undergrad guy. But um, I'm noticing, for me, the biggest thing that frustrates me about him is he tries to dictate the coverage with, like, whatever his, like, big read is. So every <laughs> game he has, like, the one thing that he harps on early, and then no matter what, he just repeats it over and over and over. Yeah. The, the one standing out to me the most was the epic game five on, was that Monday? Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that sounds right. Yeah, that, that crazy game um, when Jock Peterson hit that ball like way off the top of the wall and he was just like dogging it and mm-hmm. probably could have gotten to third if he hustled but only got to second. And Joe Buck was like furious with him like, <laughs> for like three minutes talking about and he was right. I mean, Peterson should have run out that ball. But for like the next like three innings, every time Peterson came up, every time Peterson caught a ball, it was, you know, uh, this game looks like it could be a different game. Even though Peterson scored anyway. Yeah. He scored on that. He got to, th- I think there was a home run, like two at-bats later. Like, it didn't end up mattering at all. He scored. And then someone else hit, like, a double in the gap and, uh, and the Dodgers. And uh, Joe Buck's like, that's how you run out an extra base hit. <laughs> and I was like, but that's <laughs> really completely different. different. Out, yeah. Of course, Peterson would have run that hard if it was in the gap. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's totally different on a ball in the gap versus a ball that was hit, like, a thousand feet in the air. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, Joe Buck's, like, determination to make his take be, like, the take that everyone remembers, and I also go back to, like, in the World Series last, last year, if I had to hear him talk about John Lester not being able to throw to first <laughs> one more time, I might not have watched the game. I might yeah. have just
1: listened to the radio. Well, I think a big thing about that, it's it's definitely, like, pervasive between these national announcers, is that they don't call games on a regular basis like a, a normal team uh, announcer's will. So, guys like Joe Buck and John Smoltz, they call such a limited amount of games together that they they have these, like, a couple of main points that they totally hammer. Like, there were a ton of references to the Cubs Indians World Series last year, which, like, I was fine with as a Cubs fan. It was super into that series. But I, I bet a lot of people were like, all right, we get it. Like, it was a great World Series last year. And another thing that reminded me of, uh, Ron Darling called the NLDS and NLCS Cubs games this year, and he could not stop making references to the Cubs getting swept by the Mets two years ago because he also called that series. He didn't call the Cubs series last year. So you can kind of tell that these announcers when they don't call a ton of games, they like have these couple things that they always come back to and that does make it, it gets a little grating. Right. It feels like amateur hour to me. Yeah. Like you can't put in the time to research games that you
0: didn't call. You can't, <laughs> you can't t- have more than one take. Mm-hmm. Like you can't... S- I I don't judge Joe Buck for making that judgment on Jock Peterson, but like next inning, find a
1: new thing to talk about. It is kind. Of, it's kind of a no win for those national announcers because everyone prefers their their local guys. But there are definitely ways they can they can be improved.
0: Yeah, but the, the big problem for me is baseball is a slow sport, and they're like hurting as as guys that love the game. Like, there's nothing they could do to make me stop watching. Mm-hmm. But for the casual fans, especially when I want interest in baseball to be higher, so that it, there's higher stakes and there's more like money flooded into the game and more opportunity. Like, I do want fans to care more, and it's things like that that make it hard. It makes it boring. Yeah, like when there's not when the game isn't kept interesting, there's a lot of pressure on the announcers in baseball. I think more than any other sport because of the slow pace. Definitely, like they really do have to have interesting takes and be giving constant like
1: reasons to continue to watch the game. And I do not feel like Joe Buck provides that at all. I can I can agree with that. But uh, despite some qualms with the announcing, we, we, it's a positive World Series experience overall. One of the best. Yeah. I still think one of the best. One well, I I'd say like it, out of the last four years, it's been almost. I guess three of the four have kind of been classics. Obviously, the Cubs. And then th- uh, three years ago now was the Madison Bumgarner Game 7 where he was just like a monster and shut down the Royals. So. Yeah, that was amazing, too. So, yeah, we're in a solid stretch here. But uh, let's pivot over to the NFL. Was, this past week was the NFL trade deadline, which, I'll be honest, didn't even, I didn't even know that was happening. I with the with basketball and baseball, I'm always prepared for the trade deadline heading in. Obviously, those sports are much more conducive to trades in general. But I get excited for those trade deadlines. The NFL, I just kind of saw like a flurry of trades. I was like, "What's going on here?" And then I was like, "Oh, it's the trade deadline." especially I feel like the trade deadline's <laughs> way too early. It does feel very early. It's not even halfway through most. Yeah, halfway through the season yet. Right. Like I, I totally understand why trade deadlines can't be too
0: late in the year because you don't want a team getting to the playoffs or like the Super Bowl with a team that they didn't play with all year. You don't want a team. Like like making a bunch of moves at the end and winning with guys that didn't get them there. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point you also need to allow a team like around like I think week 10 or week 11 to be able to make an adjustment based on like something that happened or a hole that they have to just make more entertaining games to have complete teams going into the playoffs. Not with the amount of injuries that football has, it seems like even more logical to have a later trade deadline.
1: Yeah. I think that whatever the NFL can do to make the league more pro trade would be positive in my mind the, the big headliners this year um, Jay Ajayi was traded for a fourth rounder uh, Jimmy Garoppolo for a second rounder to the Niners Kelvin Benjamin traded for a third and seventh rounder kind of one, one thing that always gets me about NFL trades is that is the cheap Draft pick prices for a lot of these like star or big name players like Jay Ajayi might not be one of the best running backs in the league, but he was he was one of probably one of the top ten running backs last year, and all of a sudden he's going for a fourth rounder. I'm always left feeling like if I was in charge of an NFL team, and I know that getting rookies is important, but I feel like I would always just trade like my fourth, fifth, and sixth round picks and get like quality players because it seems like teams just give them away for those late picks, and I don't I don't really understand it. <laughs> Could not agree more. It, it, that really has the feel of like the Dolphins know something the Eagles don't. Because mm-hmm. it, it, I'm totally with you. It just doesn't make sense. What Ajayi, are the odds that fourth round pick has anything close to the value of Ajayi? I, it's not even like a, it's not even the last year of his contract. Like the Eagles get him for next year
0: too. That, that's what I'm saying. They have to know something because like they kind of Ajay is so much better than any option the Eagles currently have mm-hmm. that I feel like the Dolphins should have had him by the balls. Mm-hmm. Like they should
1: have been able to get whatever they want out of that trade because the Eagles really needed a running back. One thing that I read was that Adam Gase was very, like, against Jay Ajayi because they had been arguing in the locker room or something. But you would still think that they would, like, go around the league, like, Eagles are offering a fourth-round pick. Anyone got a third-rounder out there? Like, you could think they would get something more out of him. But uh, I don't—it's really—it's puzzling. Extremely puzzling. Yeah, I really don't get it. Um, The other big trade deadline story, I think, uh, would be the Browns. Yeah, the Browns apparently— were going to, on the brink of trading a second and third round pick to the Bengals for A.J. McCarron, actually had agreed to that, but there was a snafu in the paperwork filing to the NFL, and they ended up missing the deadline by, like, minutes, which I guess is the danger of doing a trade that late, but also you would think that, like, this clerical stuff is just kind of a given. So kind of a classic, uh, anything involving the Browns are going to be blamed for bungling it, but I actually think they kind of made out uh okay in this one because it it would have been a terrible trade for them it's got to be awkward for mccarron though knowing that his team was about to give him away and now he's just back uh backing up andy dalton (laughs) yeah i really just like everything the browns do just continues to
0: baffle it's just across the board constantly they every time i think they could never top like i i feel like this is the dumbest thing that's ever happened to them and the next one's gonna be dumber i just know yeah it's just how it works with them
1: they've already had a lot of bad press with uh the fact that they traded the pick that ended up being Deshaun Watson uh, and passed up on him because they didn't think he would be a franchise quarterback. I feel like it's people are get, get on them so much where basically anyone, uh, <laughs> any quarterback, I feel like people say, oh, the Browns could have had him because they always have a high pick and they somehow always miss out on these guys. So they, they really get hammered for that stuff. But uh, I, as I said, I think this was actually a little bit positive for them that they avoided this one and hopefully they can, I don't know, if maybe Sam Darnold turns out to be right. the franchise quarterback next year. A big year.
0: bummer for me on it though is uh, I'm a big Paul D. Podesta fan. Yeah. So I hate to see something look bad on Paul E. D. Ever since reading Moneyball, I just kind of always
1: had a soft spot for Paul D. Podesta. I thought he kind of got like bad luck with the Dodgers when he was their GM. I will say it seems like a lot of his moves, like in terms of tr- how they trade for all these draft picks, and they have the next couple of drafts, they have absolutely stockpiled a ton of second and third round picks. A lot of that seems like it makes sense, but it's just like the personnel decisions haven't been there. So yeah. I, I, it's not like he's been like, a complete failure, but I don't know. He, I mean, it showed complete... here in that he's like not a football guy, he's a baseball guy, so he had no idea what he was doing. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I don't know. That what, what are your thoughts on Jimmy Garoppolo to the Niners? Are you excited for that? Uh, yeah, although have you heard rumors that like the Niners are actually considering not playing him this year? I didn't hear that. I, f- I figured he would sit out like a week or two, maybe get acclimated, but the whole year seems kind of ridiculous. <laughs> seems ridiculous.
0: Why even go for him
1: then? Uh, I, some
0: people making the argument that he, um, there's just, like, nothing to gain. Like, if he plays really well, then they play themselves out of the first draft pick. Uh, and if if he doesn't play well, then it's a confidence, like, hit to him that's, like, not going to help him moving forward. But
1: I don't know. You get a guy, you, well, the, you learn from playing. Another thing is he's a free agent at the end of the year. So unless they're planning on... I don't even know if... They, I don't think they can franchise tag. I'm like... I feel like if they sit him the whole time, he won't want to come back, and then they'll kind of waste these picks. So I hope they don't do that. <laughs> yeah, especially since like there's no way he wants to sit because of the whole reason he's told the Patriots he wouldn't resign. Yeah, he the whole reason to the Patriots move is because he wants to play. So I'm excited to see just a guy who's been like such an unknown for like three years. It's like this guy might be really good, but he's blocked by Tom Brady. Like we finally get to at least see him. Just, right. that'll just be interesting. One final thought in the NFL it doesn't have to do with the trade deadline, but just happened today, and you just mentioned him. Uh, thoughts on Deshaun Watson? That's tough. Uh, the Texans were actually looking super exciting. The, the game against the Seahawks last week was a lot of people have said the most exciting game of the Intense, year. Intense, yeah, so many points. Uh, he was he he had, didn't even start the first couple of weeks, and he was leading the league in touchdowns. Uh, so it, it's tough to lose him in such him and Dalvin Cook, probably the two most exciting rookies, both out for the year. ACL, so, is both yeah, of them too. Just injured, and I feel like it's so rare to see an NFL player injured in practice like that. Like yeah. uh, especially a quarterback, you would think they just they're just kind of walking through, not really doing anything. Strenuous at all, but right. I guess that the thing with the ACLs is they could kind of happen at any time. So definitely unfortunate for the Texans. And now about I, I, I the AFC South winner is going to be seven and nine or eight and eight, like always, loose to the someone in the wild card game. Right. <laughs> a huge bummer there too is that it happened a day after the trade deadline. They can't even do anything to like move for a quarterback. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that's kind of rubbing salt in the wound there. Well, they got the Astros. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's true.
0: At least Houston. Some horrible news immediately after great news. Well, I think we'll
1: move on to our main topic this week. Yeah, our main topic. We're talking childhood games. We're gonna draft them, classic Patty Kevin draft here. The thing that made this topic come up in my mind originally was with the NFL touchdown celebrations this year. The Vikings did a duck, duck, goose celebration. A lot of people really loved it, and, and then there's some. There were like weird arguments because I don't know if you heard about this, but apparently Minnesota calls that game. Uh, duck duck gray duck they don't call it duck duck goose they're the only state in america that doesn't call it duck duck goose because apparently it's like originally some type of norse game and like Minnesota's all about the norse and everything and they're like the original game was called duck duck gray duck which just sounds way worse but so i, I was looking into like the origins of the game and, I, and i've stumbled upon this wikipedia page full of traditional childhood games, and there's just so many good ones out there that I, I've not played in years and completely forgot about a ton of them. So, me and Kevin thought this yeah. would be a good thing to
0: craft. And we aren't going to mention a lot of these because there's just so many on there, but I highly recommend you check
1: out the Wikipedia page. The nostalgia is, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, they range from, like, the, literally like the first games you are capable of playing as like an infant to like your classic middle high or middle school junior high games so me and kevin are gonna be running through our favorite ones drafting them back and forth
0: we haven't done a draft in quite some time so we thought it would be a good time to do it uh because the last draft we had i went first uh paddy's gonna get first moves here he's he's loosening
1: up i yeah, like it i'm ready to go uh number one pick is a no doubter and i'm sure it's what kevin would have taken first as well it's manhunt so this is uh manhunt for those of you who don't know it goes by many names cops and robbers you can call it jail tag i've heard it known as basically any version of hide and go seek tag so manhunt was basically like kevin and i's group of friends like livelihood in the eighth grade uh basically played it every single day it, it's really amazing how a game as simple as hide and go seek that, like, little kids play can just be ramped up to the uh, amount of fun level that it can bring when you add just a few, like, tweaks to it where you have to tag people. You add the jail element where you can get captured and the other and you can tag your teammates out of jail. I think more than anything, it's the extra space. The extra space is huge. So we would play it on an entire, like, block, and this the amount of hiding spaces is almost limitless and the fact that even if you're caught you can just outrun it or like out athlete the other team is huge basically uh you could play this game for hours on end and the other thing i like about it is hide and go seek if you have like an amazing hiding spot it's basically like you either just say like you you would just have to wait there, but in hide and go seek, tag, slash manhunt, if you're if you have a good hiding spot for like thirty minutes, you're not really as incentivized to just wait in that spot forever because you can help your teammates out and tag them out of jail. So you're not getting those boring lulls in the game where everyone's just like, all right, we don't know where this person is. It's, there's a lot more things mixing up. It's just a just a great game. Just uh, in my mind, the no doubt number one. I I tend to agree. Uh, I was actually I'm happy you had first picked because I
0: was between manhunt and the one that I actually am gonna pick. Uh, a classic, needs no explanation. I'm going Catch. Catch. Oh, that was on my list. Right. And the thing about Catch is that you're never too old for Catch. I've. It's one of the few games on this list that I still consistently play often. Mm-hmm. It's... It's the time killer. I just don't think you can play it with anything. It's like the most social game out there, for sure. It's <laughs> there's nothing better than just picking something up, tossing it back and forth, and shooting the sheesh. <laughs> great, great name, job. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, so adaptable to yeah. any
1: anything really. I, I could keep going, but I feel like there's really not that much to say about catch. So I think we move back I, over to you. Well, I wanted to note i on the catch Wikipedia page. I was a fan of this. First of all, one of the best parts about looking at any of these on Wikipedia is the Wikipedia breakdown of these like really basic childhood games is hilarious because they are like very scientific about it uh on the wikipedia page for catch it said at early stages in a child's life having a catch is a good way to evaluate and improve the child's physical coordination so i like how it's like you can evaluate your kids here by like throwing stuff to them <laughs> like if that as if that needed like explanation well, well if, if they're in the lower if they're on the lower spectrum there it's less catch and more peg yeah i guess <laughs> that's a good point all right, I'll move on to my second pick. My second pick, one of my favorite all time, Heads Up Seven Up. Oh, so this is uh, this is basically whenever this was brought out in class in like a fifth grade classroom, it was just the peak of my week. The peak of my, it's just always what I would hope for in terms of any like class where you just need to kill time. So I'm sure many of you have played it. The general basis of the game is there's like se- there's seven kids who are it, right? Seven kids are it, everyone else just sits down at their desk, puts their thumb up, and you walk around and you. the seven people who are it, like, push your thumb down. And then if you got your thumb pushed down, you have to guess who did it. So basically this game seems like it should be, like, impossible, right? Because choos- you have a one in seven chance of guessing who it is. And if you're it, you want to pick a really random kid. Like, you're not going to pick your friends because they're going to guess you. You're picking a random kid. And it seems like it should be way harder than it is. But somehow, like, people are very good at guessing who's it. And then uh, being it is so fun. I don't know. Uh, It's just, in general, a great game. And uh, I don't know. No, I
0: I could not agree more. Uh, the like this the psychoanalysis aspect of
1: it is just fantastic. Where you're looking for the kid that's giggling. Exactly. It's like the first game where you really read people as a kid. The, the one of the small downsides is I was always kind of suspicious of people cheating because it's it's based on putting your head down and keeping your eyes closed. I was always scared that people were like looking at my shoes as I would touch their thumbs. But uh, another small downside, when you when you don't get picked, when your thumb is up, you don't get a push down. It's just like, oh, come on. A lot on. of people not participating, yeah. Know. But, uh, kind of of but when you're in the zone, when you're up there picking people, it's really a thrill unlike any other. It is an all-time classic. I'm actually going to stick with a t- game I usually associate with school. I'm going to go Foursquare. Foursquare, damn it. Yeah. I was hoping to get that later.
0: Foursquare, four a great game. Um, I always think this one, a little more anecdotal than you'd probably prefer, but... Uh, Recess from probably about like fifth to seventh grade, it was pretty much all we played. It was the game, yeah. It was it was the game. Uh the the beauty of Foursquare is working your way up to King. It's it's so easy to track like how you're doing in the game. And holding King for like a long period of time or even queen mm-hmm. is just such a satisfying feeling mm-hmm. to watch just like the uh especially if you do it with someone else. Like if if the two of you are just holding court. Yep. You feel fantastic Um, There's a great like There's great room for like Like trickiness to it There's great room to make
1: spectacular plays Uh, You can even mix it up with the king making rules Mm -hmm. I I was gonna say I love them Like kind of almost mini game aspect to it With the rules involved So that part's great It's like a very good It's a very satisfying amount of like It requires athleticism and skill But you're not gonna get like all sweaty from playing It's not you're not gonna be exhausted from playing foursquare. Yeah could not agree more Great game. So so simple to play, too, with, like, few moving parts. Very easy to pick up. One more note I would have about it. I like how it's king, queen, jack, and then the fourth spot, like, everyone kind of has their own variation on it, but you basically just get to toilet, like, anything to make fun of that person. Right. Typically toilet. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's a good pick. Um... My next one, I'm gonna go musical chairs. Ooh. Musical chairs, I'm a huge fan of. Musical chairs, I think I, I talked about the adrenaline of heads up seven up. I think musical chairs even tops that because the first few rounds, you kind of assume you're gonna get a chair. Like you know, it's a it's a constant build. It's it, like you're, it, it's perfectly peaks at the very end of the game when you're one of two people left and there's one chair and you know you're just waiting for that music to stop. Uh, I I love it because I, I don't know I. Just, I guess I kind of just described most of the reasons I love it. Just the, the fact that one person gets eliminated every round reminds me of, like, Survivor, where just people are slowly peeling off, and all of a sudden you look around, there's, like, 20 people eliminated, and you're one of five people left, and you're just like, wow, I've made it. And it, But your odds are still always good of advancing. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's probably one of the more juvenile games that we've picked. It's, like, very, very basic level, but I, I love the just the single elimination method. So I was just at the Bulls game last Saturday, and the uh, at halftime they
0: play it. Mm. Uh, they have, they put like some chairs out there and they bring in some fans from the crowd and they circle around and you watch it. And it's intense to watch yeah. like on that. Lap, <laughs> it's favorite. Like you said, <laughs> yeah, it builds like you watch uh, the first couple rounds. You were really, like, aren't even paying attention or don't really care. But like when it gets down to that last two, it's intense. And like the, the, the suspense of waiting for the music to stop and then just watching people just go crazy. And I feel like in the last one, the chairs almost always knocked down and like your people are scrambling for it, throwing each other down. Yeah. A lot of intensity to uh, musical
1: chairs. I-, I like the pick. I don't think I would have picked it myself, but like in hearing you describe it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you kind feel of like won me over. On it. It's it's so mainstream that it sails under the radar a little bit, but it is solid when you think about it. All right, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna go with the simplest one we've picked so far. Even sim even simpler
0: than catch. I didn't think it got simpler than Catch. It does. <laughs> Chopsticks.
1: Oh, chopsticks! Chopsticks,
0: classic game. And uh, this is another one people call it probably the finger game. I was
1: gonna say I never really knew the name to it, but then when I saw it on Wikipedia, I was like, oh yeah, chopsticks. Yeah, yeah, chopsticks. Uh, I've heard chopsticks, finger
0: game, anything like that. But it's the game where you stick. You start out. Each person puts out one finger, and you tap, adding with the math up. Um, a great thing about the game is the lack of materials. When you're waiting in line, when you're just like hanging out, have nothing to do. Previews during a movie, like anything. It's a great time killer. The simplest game to learn. Uh, all it takes is like very minor math. Uh, the one frustration with it is that it, it's a game that can be learned. Yes, I like, get a certain. You solved. can't really play it as an adult. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is a completely solved game. Um, but there's nothing better than like the uh, when it's dragging on a little bit w- before you know that it's solved. Before like everyone knows what they're doing when it's like dragging on and you don't know your one hand gets knocked in, but then you pull it back, <laughs> smacking them together it's a great game
1: I totally agree um, the thing I always think about it is before I learned chopsticks I was my kind of go to like wasting time in church or anything in line like you were saying was always thumb wrestling uh, thumb wrestling kind of gets old after a little bit because I, I don't know thumb wrestling is just not very fun to me another one that was available on this list I feel like chopsticks is a vast improvement over thumb wrestling so Could more. All right, more. my fourth round pick uh, we'll do five rounds here my fourth round pick is going to be Red Rover oh man Red That's Rover going to be my next pick uh, Red Rover a very good one um, one that I've actually played more recently than a lot of these. We played this in college at like our orientation thing to like get to know other dorms. Um, Red Rover is a great one because first of all, you got the the individual aspect where a lot of these are team games. This one, you get singled out, you get called out by the other team, and it's so intense in that one moment. You, it's it's probably the mo- one of the most physically demanding and like almost dangerous. I'm almost surprised there's not more injuries in Red Rover because. As I'm sure most of you know, you're basically just running full on at two people locking arms, just hoping that they're going to let go because if they've really tried their hardest to hold on, I feel like there could be broken bones in play. I
0: always imagine <laughs> that like the
1: two people are going to smack heads. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, the person's going to bring them together. It's a game where intimidation is a big factor. Like if, if you if you look like you're picking up a head of steam or you look like you're a big, strong person running in, the other team's almost like going to be scared heading in and let go very easily, whereas if you look weak, then they'll be determined to hold on. Another thing when you're on the locking arms side, um, you you kind of have to decide whether like, oh, I kind of want them to test me or like, I hope they don't pick me. This guy's huge. So uh, you're always on your toes on that side. A great team game. I like how, you know, you transfer players based on you see which teams uh, coming out on top. Uh, Always a fun one for me.
0: What I love about it, too, is if you stop the guy, you get him. Mm-hmm. So there, there's the beauty. Is that how you were playing it? Yeah. Like, yeah. so you,
1: so you can like, yeah, you can steal the other team's best Exactly, if you Like a heroic play. Yeah. Right.
0: So like the, the upset potential is huge. Cause it's like, it's bad when the, the other guy's biggest guy is coming at you. Cause you're like, oh crap. But you're also like, man, if we somehow pull a miracle here, if we somehow find a way, like we just took control of this game. <laughs> and like you said, the intimidation aspect of it, you can kind of outthink them. Yeah. Like if you, if you can get this guy to think, you're just going to let him in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you, the two of you just maybe grab like forearm, and really hold tight, and he comes in with a little less steam because he's not trying to hurt himself. Yeah, maybe you steal him. And the beauty of that is now that you have him on his team, now he's like, geez, I got to be more careful. I got to <laughs> work
1: harder. I just got, I just lost to that. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's it's an all timer. It's it's really good. It's a great <laughs> game. Another one with a great like psycho side.
0: too. it. Yeah. Um, okay, my next one. Um, hmm, we've kept everything on land so far, so I'm gonna I'm gonna pick an aquatic game here. Ooh. I'm between two. But I'm going to go Marco Polo. Okay, I'd say that's the, the more, it's the, the classic, classic pool yeah. game. Yeah, um, another one. I think the theme for me here has been simple. Uh, I'm picking mostly the simplest games. And uh, another thing I love about Marco Polo, Polo, which can be said about just about all mine, very easy to explain to someone. It's a very inclusive game because anyone hopping in, it's a it's a three second explanation of what the rules are. Mm-hmm. Um, Marco Polo, another game, very susceptible to cheating. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Almost every game I've ever
1: played, you typically get the person doing one of these. It's, yeah. I mean, you can tell when someone's eyes are closed and when there's some squinty business going on. I guess when you're when the water's thrown in, you'd be like, maybe they got something in their eyes, but definitely some right. foul play.
0: Right. What I love about Marco Polo is it's the first time in my life, and, and still to this point, probably one of the only, where uh, I had to practice echolocation. Mm. and I like that about it is that like you're trying to make your voice sound like more distant or like somewhere it isn't so like if you if you go straight into the water sometimes you can get a little bit of a different echo there's some there's some tricks of the trade there and there's a I like the I like the fun aspect of it where like you can put yourself in as much danger as you want. Like sometimes it's more fun to like try to stay behind the guy the whole time. So you're constantly, he's constantly like flipping around, <laughs> totally and swinging agreed. his arms at you. Yeah. There's a uh, it's kind of like you get to choose the difficulty a little bit. Like if you just want to hang away from him the whole time, you're probably
1: not going to get caught. You can have yourself a nice little game of never being it, mm-hmm. or you can try to flirt with danger. I'd say it's it's a, it's like a cousin. It's like the aquatic cousin of hide and go seek tag regular, which I already talked about. And as I said for that, if you have a, like an unstoppable hiding spot, that could be fun for a little bit. But you're gonna want to up your own difficulty. Same exact thing what you just said with Marco Polo. You gotta hide behind the person and make them freak out a little bit. So great pick. All right, our last picks here. With my last one, I'm gonna go with telephone. Telephone oh, was on my list. It's I like it, but it's my last pick for a reason. That's because I think it has a lot more potential than what it actually comes through with. So the first time I heard Telephone described to me, I was like, "This sounds like the most fun game ever! Like this is going to be so wacky when people mess up like a couple words, and then it's like an unrelated message." It's, it just sounds like such a fun premise, but ninety percent of the time in practice, either you have some knucklehead who just completely changes the message to be funny and will just change it to like Patty likes poop or something. And then when they're at the end, they're like, Patty likes poop. And you're like, come on guys. Like you just ruin the entire game. Or if you just get it exactly right, which is kind of like quote unquote winning the game, but it's like, Oh, that's no fun. Like we know how to listen to each other. So it, it, it kind of, it's, it's tantalizing and it's, and it's prospects, but in practice, not actually the most fun game, but I still like it in theory. And there's also a good variation of it the game where you like draw something and then the person has to guess what you drew. Right. Basically, the same type of game except instead of audio, it's more visual. So, I, I just it's, it's, a, it's a great concept, although it falls short of some of the other ones when actually played
0: absolutely agree but the potential is there for it. Yeah. Like, you always hope that the, the real key to the game in my mind is getting everyone like willing to participate and, pay, and play the game properly and also uh, a complex sense. Yes. Like whatever the, the clue is has to be something that's
1: like very easy to mess up. There should be like a little bit of a tongue twister aspect to it, but it shouldn't be memorable. And it's great for when it's first introduced to little kids, they're usually in like kindergarten and it actually teaches them a lesson of like, don't believe everything you hear. Cause sometimes messages get, you know, it it's educational. It's got an educational aspect. One thing yeah. I loved about it on the Wikipedia page. Did you see it's also called Chinese whispers? Yeah. That's actually what it was. The, the main thing it was listed under, which I've never heard. There are a lot of like weird, uh, different names to games. I've sure. heard tons of them. Um, a yeah. little racial there. I'm trying to think of some other ones. I did see some other interesting
0: ones. I didn't know cops and robbers was called cowboys and Indians. Although it makes sense.
1: Uh, I think I have heard. I that never really one, heard that man. one. Oh,
0: did you see Red Rovers? Red Rovers also British bulldogs. Yeah, that was. Yeah, I was surprised by that one.
1: Yeah, that was an interesting one. Uh, I'm trying to think. Um, this is... no, okay. There's All almost right. there's almost like 15 names for uh, manhunt. Yeah, <laughs> it's insane. so many different
0: names. Okay, oh, my last pick is a tough one. There's so many I want to pick. Um I've been doing mostly classics so I'm actually going to steer away from classics and say one that a lot of people probably don't know but is a blast if you haven't heard of it I'm going ninja I, uh, that was one I wasn't
1: really super fam- super familiar
0: with. So I actually learned it in college because uh, when I was managing for the baseball team, there's just a ton of time to kill. Especially if you have like a double header, there's like two hours in between where you have nothing to do. And the pitchers most of the time have nothing to do anyway unless they're pitching. So the way Ninja works is you do like sudden movements. So everything you do is like one move at a time. And the name of the game is to try to slap the other person's hands. But you're allowed to make evasive maneuvers. But like I said, it, it has to be like one move like that. Okay. So it's it's testing the other person's person's reflexes and it's all about positioning yourself every time you move you can only move like one side of your body and you're like trying to keep your hands like out. of like i just put my hand pet obviously this is bad radio you can see me but uh like every movement you make you're thinking offense and defense you're trying to get near the person and if you get one you have to hit both hands so just getting hit in one hand doesn't end the game okay lose it you lose like one hand and then it goes behind your back and you've lost that arm so now not only do you only have one arm left but you only have one slapping arm as well so every time you slap, you're leaving that arm pretty vulnerable. If you miss, um, it's an absolute blast. Great way to kill time. Great show of like strategy, and it's one of the most fun games to watch because people get in like ridiculous positions, <laughs> and uh, the room for people to like accidentally slap each
1: other in the face is sky high. I was gonna say it seems like another great uh, like marriage of the mental and the physical because a lot of regular sports since you're always moving like it's just it's all it's like everything's going on at once but this is like you have a second to think about what you're gonna do then you execute it then you think then you do it and then it's like yeah
0: this might be counterintuitive, but one of the things I love about this in a lot of my favorite games is that I like a little bit of room to cheat. I like some controversy in there, and this game definitely has some room to cheat where, like, someone accidentally does two movements in a thing. You're like, hey, you moved twice, and then, like, he has to try to guess. He has to, like, go back to where he was, but of course he's going to put himself in a little bit
1: more generous, generous position, and the audience has to keep him honest. I like the room for controversy. I think, I think that's great for most children's games is, like, the, yeah, the ability to argue about it for, for days afterwards is huge to the... Exactly. the integrity of the game. All right, so we drafted pretty solid teams there. Those are are our best. There's certainly a lot that we didn't list, but we also wanted to highlight some of the absolute worst because as fun as childhood games are, Mm -hmm. there are also some just absolutely terrible ones that I don't know how they've sustained the course of time, but they still exist. So we're going to list some of our least favorite, just brutal ones. My first one that I want to throw out there is apple bobbing was which was actually the first one on the wikipedia page something that i don't understand how that's fun for everyone it's disgusting it's, it's, <laughs> abso- it's absolutely disgusting like i don't see how it's it would be like even rewarding to like catch one in your mouth i don't think i've ever actually done it the scottish call it duking which i actually think is a more appropriate name because this game is Dukey <laughs> i see what you did there so
0: yeah pretty dumb game i have actually played it before uh, i did it at a halloween party one time it's, it's as bad as you get all wet. There's, there's nothing satisfying about it. Exactly. I had like pretty long bangs at the time too, so my hair was soaking wet, it was dragging in the water. Who's gonna want to put their mouth in water that my hair was just dipped in? And like anyone else playing too was having like just like their nose in the water, and if you miss on the apple then but got like your lips all over it, next person's swinging in. I just I don't even like know who
1: in the first place thought duken was I a know. good idea. I feel like if they just noticed that like apples float in water, they're like, alright, well, like, we gotta make this into a game. The only thing that's like Remotely entertaining
0: about it Is that it's difficult Yeah Like it's it's much harder Than you think it is Like the apple The second you get Like you really have to get Your teeth into it And it's moving in the water So much Like it dips under the water The second you apply any pressure It is really hard to do That's really the only Redeeming quality But why do it in the first place There's just no No real great reward to it In my mind Uh, My first one Disgusting in a different way, um, and the reading the Wikipedia page for it just made me
1: feel dirty as playing doctor. Oh my God! See, oh I, my God! I see. Well, you should talk about it first, but I was also completely blown away by that Wikipedia. Page. God, I wish I could unread it. <laughs> was, it was a, so I didn't even look at the word I was clicking on because I was just click on all them. I started reading it. I was just like blown away. I was like, "This is a travesty!" I right, and it's, and it's
0: exactly what everyone's thinking. Like if you're listening right now, it's, it's exactly like literally the first sentence is, "This is." An excuse for kids to touch each other's genitals. It's like, that just is just straight up Yeah. There's no game aspect to it. I don't know why this is in a list of games. Playing doctor is not a game. Like it's, and like they even go so far as to mention that this isn't like child-on-child
1: pedophilia. Yeah. So like it is differentiated from like sexual assaults by this. Yeah. <laughs> and it talks about how it's like more scientific than that. Like this is just about kids learning the birds and the bees on their own and uh, getting a good fondle in. And- I see. I Stuff. I always I had heard of playing doctor like growing up, but yeah. I'd never thought it was like strictly related to like genitalia. I thought it would be like, all right, I'm gonna like put my hand on your chest and like see if you have a heartbeat, or like let's like pretend like I'm wearing a stethoscope and like there's other stuff like let's see, feel your forehead, just stuff that a regular doctor does. I didn't know it was like all about the genitalia, like apparently it is. <laughs> right.
0: So for me, I always thought like the the genitalia aspect of it was like the undertone Yeah, that's like, like you don't. The game of that. Is doing <laughs> other things. Of course, everyone knows that it's implied that there's like a dirty aspect to it, but
1: wicked. Just smacks, and they don't talk about anything else in the article. They no, don't talk all about this only, yeah. It doesn't oh. even like it doesn't even yeah. Try to hide it at all. It's just oh. like this is bad.
0: <laughs> guys, I felt unclean after reading that one. I would highly we did tell you to go to the page.
1: Like I'm not even kidding. Skip that one. I'm glad you brought that one up. That one's bad. Uh, my next one's for for terrible ones. Um, Bloody knuckles slash mercy. Basically, there's a lot of games that are just basically how much pain can you tolerate? Right. Where I don't understand like why kids love those so much. I always hated any game where you got, like, punched with a quarter between your right. uh, fists or anything like that, because it, it's not fun. I, I really, unless there's just a bunch of, like, masochistic kids out there, I, right. I don't understand why. And this there is, are. Like, that is the nature of it. It's I guess that, there it's is. It's got a lot of pent-up aggression. Yeah, I mean, I understand, like, the the one where you slap your hands until they get super red. Like, I understand that a little more, because that's more of, like, a dull pain that, like, slowly builds. But when it's, like, you're drawing blood, I'm, I'm out on those. <laughs> right. No, I have horrible memories of Mercy because mm-hmm. i like the
0: only people that I would ever want to play it with me were my older cousins and i would just get crushed and like you get bullied into playing it too every time i'd be like no i don't want to play mercy and they like oh are you little baby you little puss <laughs> and then, of course you go in and then you get your hands like twisted off and then there's always the thing too where like saying mercy never really ends the game you say yeah. mercy and the other person gives you a good extra twist to finish you off with awful games and right along those same lines too is uh kill the carrier Yep. another game that I was never a big fan of and like can't believe like I don't really remember just kill the carrier I'm saying that to be PC but for me it was always smear the queer I was I was just about to say I kind of liked it better when I was smear the queer but can't really <laughs> say that <laughs> no, these days definitely <laughs> not politically correct these days but like we got away with that for a long time like I remember calling it smear the queer like
1: into like 7th and 8th grade yeah I kill the carrier is kind of fun if you weren't trying too hard. Like if you went in with the mindset of like right when people are about to get me, I'm just gonna go down. Yeah, but if it you up. if you like really want to resist, then it would, could, would right. be not there, fun. there was there was some fun aspects to that game,
0: especially if you had like a good crew of people playing it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm more brought it up in the bad end just because
1: like I kind of blows my mind that we called it smear the <laughs> for so long. So yeah, we'll give it negative for that side. One of my all time least favorites is hopscotch. Mm-hmm. Hopscotch I thought looked really cool the first couple times I saw it because it has like a board to it. it almost looks right. like a board game and then you're like hopping around so I was like "What? It, like, what is this? I didn't really understand how to play it at all but then when you learn the rules to the game it's like the easiest game of all time. It's like can you hop on one leg without like falling which most kids are like coordinated enough to do. Right. It's, it's more of a girl gra- It's a game you graduate when you turn like seven And it's more of a girls game in general. I feel like yeah by the time I learned the rules I was already past it like in terms of my coordination so always that one always just stunk for me. One I'm going to throw in there uh, did you see Huckle Buckle Beanstalk down there? <laughs>
0: no <laughs> Was it one that you knew beforehand, or did you just read no, about it? No, I didn't. Okay. Just reading about it. There was a bunch of different names. Uh, I think I wrote some of them down. I'm uh, say Gundo. Uh, oh, Huckle Beanstalk, Hot Buttered Beans, or Hide the Thimble. Mm. <laughs> Literally, the point of this game is you take an object, you hide it, and then the other person has to go find it. And that does suck. <laughs> yes, it's a terrible game. The name almost redeems it. Um but my big problem with this game is I don't really understand like what you do after you hide it. Do you just like revel in the fact that the other person it, can't find this it? this idiot. Yeah, it's like capture the flag kind of, but like without any of the right, fun Right. It's like the least creative game ever. <laughs> capture the flag took a hucklebuckle beanstalk and made it playable.
1: Yeah. All right, we'll do I'll do a last one here. Uh my last one, Eenie meeny Miney Mo, oh, yeah. barely even counts as a game. But basically, it's kind of invented to be a way where uh, to choose things at random. But when you're like six years old, you realize how to not make it random and just to to rig it. So it basically fails to do the one thing that it sets out to do in the first place. So not not good. <laughs> yeah. Well, the worst thing about that game is it it
0: teaches like. It teaches you that you can make the dumb kid it every single yeah. time. It's like the the one kid that's late on figuring out how eeny meeny money works mo works, and there's always one kid in every group. Yeah.
1: That kid becomes it every single time because everyone else knows how to do it. And then you probably is just like, damn, I'm super unlucky and right. goes down to a pit of despair.
0: The one I'm gonna finish with, another one
1: I had never heard of, pencil fighting. Did you see that one? I did see that one. That was that seemed kinda of fun, Matt, I thought really just breaking i I, I guess you're wasting a lot of like school supplies just breaking each other's pencils i just my frustration with it's like the lack of cleverness it It is very not clever it just seems like two kids were born in class and just started going to town on each other's pencils yeah i mean i don't know yeah that doesn't not definitely not the most creative one but uh yeah yeah i just like i don't know i I don't feel like i would get much joy from that game Alright, that's our, that's our childhood game discussion Pretty, pretty solid um, one, thing I, one game I do want to mention
0: I, I'm really ashamed I didn't get to pick it I thought for sure I would is Spud Do you remember Spud? Spud was
1: really fun I didn't see it on the list but I wrote it down just because it I was liked it oh, it, was the,
0: it was on the Wikipedia page Yeah, I, uh, I think it
1: was under a different name I think you had to click it and it told you oh, okay. that it was
0: Spud um, But yeah, that game was a
1: blast that's another one with a lot of cheating aspect, because everyone has a number, and then once, you're supposed to just throw and say a number at random, so you don't know who's going to be it, but then once you play a few rounds, you know people's numbers, and then you can just call the person that you want, but, right. but well, a lot of fun with you can, you can get around that by changing numbers. I guess that's true, yeah. But that's a bit of a hassle then. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's another good one. Yep. Any last thoughts, or should we move on? I think we move on to our classic Patty's Thing That Still Exists. All right, this week's Patty's Thing That Still Exists That Doesn't Need to Exist Anymore handicapped entrances to buildings. Screw the handicapped. No, I'm just kidding. That's not, not everyone. I've always wanted to say something super offensive because I feel like, you know, this segment just leans itself to like, I could just exterminate like an entire race of people. Right. But luckily, I'm like a responsible steward of the segment, so I'm going to stick with something more. What pussy. I love about that is people that are only half listening just are like, what did he just <laughs> say? <laughs> Screw the handicap. Uh, so my, my main one, this is kind of almost low-hanging fruit, but it has to be said. Um, the, the Chevy commercials, I guess this is more commercials in general, but when it t- shows real people reacting to uh, like oh, Chevys. Yeah. <laughs> so these are just <laughs> the worst commercials out there. I really don't understand. I guess I understand what their thought was behind it where you want someone relatable out there instead of an actor but the, the execution of it is just absolutely terrible. So first of all the, the, the it's not even like they, these people are like on the street. Like some commercials where it's regular people it'll just be on the street and be like oh this person was just going about their everyday activities. These people are brought to like a warehouse where clearly they know something's going on. It's not like they just like wandered into this building where like people People are showing them cars. Like clearly something's going on beyond this. Then there's always this like kind of just like corny host who the, the, for some reason, these people are like hanging on his every word. Like this is like going to be so fun, whatever we're about to do. And the host would come up with like the dumbest idea of something for them to do. Like read all of these awards we won. See if you can read them all. It's not even like a fun activity or like something they will just be like. For some reason, they're trying to list, like, how many J.D. Power & Associate awards they've won. And if they were real people, I would be like, what do these awards mean? Like, the, the, the awards are always totally pointless. The, no one's ever like, oh, I really thought Toyota was going to win it in 2015. Oh, you guys were the dark horse. I, I, I'm surprised you guys won that one. That's always terrible. It's just an idiotic task. And then at the end, they're always, like, laughing. And the whole group of people looks like they just went through, like, a week-long retreat where they all want to, like, exchange phone numbers and, like, meet up for lunch later on. It's just absolutely so corny they, they, they kill me like any any real person would not would not have any of these reactions I guess they're probably real people but going into it you know if you have any type of genuine reaction you're not gonna get on so you just have to suck up and pretend to be like floored by these like random accomplishments Th- these commercials have to end that's my thing that doesn't need to exist anymore
0: I've been a part of one of those before really yeah I uh, was on a flight one time that offered everyone at the beginning of the flight uh, a free Chromebook for the flight. Ooh. You got a Chromebook. And then at the end of the flight, they inter- interviewed all of us, like our things. I did not make the commercial because uh. I did exactly what you said. I did not go enthusiastic. I was like, yeah, it was pretty cool to have a free laptop. <laughs> and they're like, like, how did the laptop work? And I was like... It was a laptop. Like it, it only had internet. That's a little bit of a downside. And they're like, but like, what about the good things?
1: And I was like, yeah, it was. I mean, it was fast. It was a nice. It was a brand new laptop. It was a nice. Yeah. You almost have to be thinking of like a little corny phrase you can give right. them beforehand, where you could just be like, "Can I get two of these?" And then like, if you say that, then you're probably gold. But the, the, the just the reason that that's why you get on the commercial completely defeats the purpose of the real people aspect because right. it's like they're not looking for real reactions. The though. corny host is my favorite thing that you say, though, because that Chevy guy is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> like like that guy, like you said, they all look like inspired by him and like they want to <laughs> beat him, and that guy is so lame. He always He's acting like he's up there like, Like hosting like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, where everyone's like enthralled by his like stupid game that he made up that is isn't fun for no one. Like if if he was like read this list of awards, I'd be like, is there anything else I can do? Like that does not seem fun at all. He's just constantly acting so sketchy. He constantly looks like he's about to reveal something that you don't know. Like and
0: I guess that is part of it because like part of those commercials are about like lifting up the curtains and showing like who won the JD Power and Associates award. (laughs) But he even once it's revealed, he still keeps that same like like stupid Look on his face; I mean, you're never gonna guess what's coming next. I don't know. I hate that guy.
1: Yeah, he's not. He's not good. So that's that's it for this. Week. That's a great one. That is a very good one. You want to do? I can watch. Or should we go to the game? It's up to you. Uh, we'll work it in real quick. We are running a little right. long here, so
0: I'll just do this one real quick. We'll have a brief discussion about it. So I was at a restaurant the other day. I actually had a um, a tough loss in my family this week, and um, so the whole family was together yesterday, and we ran. We me and two of my cousins ran to do a quick food run, and uh, I'm sure we looked sad. Our faces were probably a little red. And uh, we go up to the cashier, and this guy was like grilling me on my day. He's like, how you doing? And I was like, I'm doing fine. He's like, you don't look fine. And I was like, yeah, it's been a tough day. He's like, what happened? And I was like, I lost a family member. And he goes, oh, that's tough. Those your friends? I was like, no, those are my cousins. Like, dude, can I just get a milkshake? Like, oh. this guy was grilling me. So I guess my thing is, like, am I in the wrong here? Was I just, like, emotionally in a bad state and, like, should have humored the guy that's, like, working long hours and just trying to have a conversation? But, like, I was very frustrated that, like, all right, man, when someone says, like, How's your day? If, if you give the response good, isn't the other person to assume that you do not want to talk about it? Like, if yes. I had, had wanted to give him a conversation, I would have said, like, oh, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Or, like, oh, you know, I've had a crazy day. This is what happened. Like, the, I could have said something that would have indicated I want to have a conversation. If you give, like, a one-syllable answer, I think the other
1: person is meant to take it as... That, that guy what, literally made, like, three mistakes there. First of all, <laughs> if you give him, the as you said, the one-syllable answer, he should know that means no, but he'll, pr- if he presses you, all right, whatever. Then when you say like, oh, I'm having a tough day, that's another like signal stop. And then when it's like, I've lost a family member, it's like, back out now. Like, say I'm sorry and, and don't ask him any more things. It's like, there was so many, uh, so many mistakes by that guy. That kind of reminds me of like, when you're asking your friends something, or, like you do a your mom joke and someone's just like, my mom's dead. And that's just like the worst thing ever. And like you, so, most of the time it's a joke. So you're like, screw you, man. But if that ever happens in real life that you would just feel so awful, but apparently this guy would just wanted to I, like keep totally. talking about it so. so brutal so i don't think this one's
0: really up for debate i think the real question here is uh what i should have done should i have answered his questions like should i have continued to be like tell him the truth and everything or should, should i have just given him like a oh, i don't want to talk about it or uh oh, i don't know could i could i have said something
1: else that i have to keep answering his questions like honestly that's a tough one uh I would say that I, I, would never, I wouldn't go into detail about why I was down or anything to the okay. guy. So, like, what but, would you have said? But also, if I said I don't want to talk about it, that's basically what I did to the pop belly guy that one right. time when it was just horribly awkward, when I was just, like, nothing. But So, it, doing a non-conversation is always awkward, but, yeah, I don't know. That's a tough one. I don't know what I would say.
0: Yeah, so if you guys have any suggestions, please hit me with them. Uh, that was pretty... It's a pretty rough situation. I, I'm like racking my own brain, wishing
1: I had had like the right way to just not have to go deeper into that conversation. I mean, you can just pretend like you are having a good day, but I guess that's easier said than done. Yeah, I mean, like it, it was pretty. It was like, I think it was pretty yeah. visible
0: that we weren't having a great day. Like we did not look happy. Yeah, we weren't having. Between the three of us, we weren't really talking. Like we were sad. Sad yeah, stuff. So.
1: All yeah. right, we'll move on to the game. Um, celebrating the Astros World Series championship. I want to see how well Kevin knows the Houston Astros. So very topical. Kevin's a pretty big baseball fan, so he knows a lot of the the backgrounds on these guys. But we'll see exactly how well he does. I'm like the king of brain farts, though. So these games are always a toss up. Uh, We'll see. We'll see. uh, All right, we'll start off with um, Alex Bregman. Alex Bregman was the third baseman for the Astros. Alex Bregman went to LSU. He did. Also going to LSU was the band Better Than Ezra, uh, known for their song Juicy. um, Kevin, what is the best-selling orange juice in the past year? <laughs> best-selling brand of orange juice. Uh, so I, I'm between two. I'm gonna say Tropicana. Tropicana, one for one. This guy knows his Astros. All right, number two, um, George Springer. George Springer. Uh, he was interviewed in the All-Star game, bringing national attention to the fact that he grew up with a stutter. He had a stutter when he was young, as did King George the Sixth of England, um, who was depicted in the movie The King's Speech. Um, who depicted King George in the King's speech? Colin Firth. Colin Firth, two for two. And I know my Astros. You are on fire right now. All right, next one. We're talking Jose Altuve. Jose Altuve, possible league MVP, famously only five foot six. If he was an NBA player, he'd be the third shortest of all time, just ahead of Earl Boykins. Earl Boykins, of course, went to Eastern Michigan University, whose mascot is named Swoop. Swoop is also the mascot of what single A Cubs affiliate? What is the single A affiliate of the Cubs? Oh, uh, shoot, it's changed. Not advanced A, regular A. Right, so... I'll give you a hint, they're Midwest, they're a local team. Yeah, it's not Myrtle Beach,
0: that's high A, right? Yep,
1: that's high A. Uh, So... Midwest... Oh, man, is Tennessee still double A? They're double A. Oh, man, who is... I went to college in this town.
0: Ah, oh, it's the South Bend. South Bend,
1: South Bend Cubs. Cubs. South Bend Cubs. All right, what did well, they used to be? They used to be the South used Bend. To be, well, they used to be the South Bend Silverhawks, but that yeah, was before Silver they were the Cubs. Right. The Cubs used to be the King County Cougars. Right, in and became they became They moved Cubs. to South Bend. Right. So you don't know your Altuve, but we'll do, move on to our last one here. Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander was on the cover of MLB 2K12, of course, which featured the song Colors by Group Love. Mm-hmm. Group Love was also the band behind the song Tongue Tied, which w- appeared in the show Glee. Um, glee of course took place at mckinley high um, when william mckinley the president was assassinated who succeeded him after his assassination
0: mckinley was the, this is like the era of presidents where they had
1: like no power so they're like the least memorable well this is i'll give you a hint it was 1901 when he was assassinated right. i don't know if that helps so mckinley went to teddy roosevelt teddy roosevelt Three for four, Kevin, I Notable mean... Notable about Teddy Roosevelt there. Uh,
0: actually, at that point, the youngest president of all time, but not the youngest ever elected because he wasn't elected. He succeeded McKinley. The youngest ever elected, Teddy was... Uh, uh, I don't know. John F. Kennedy. Oh, John, John F. F. Kennedy. John F. Kennedy,
1: youngest ever elected. Roosevelt, youngest ever to be president. Wow, that is... I did not know that, but uh, clearly Kevin was watching the World Series because he did pretty well on that Astros quiz right there. That was a solid quiz. I had a good time <laughs> with that. It was a roller coaster waiting for like what the question was going to be. I was on the edge of my seat. All right. All right, Patty, any final thoughts before we wrap this guy up? Nope, pretty good. Episode 25. Uh, shout out Derek Lee. And uh, that's, that's all I time. have. Thanks, as always, to our producer, Chris McConnell. Bye, everyone.